those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry free. Jack LeBrock. Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, and we're joined by one of the uh, doyens of the uh, paddock in the supercar world, that being David Reynolds of Kelly Grove Racing. Welcome, David. Well, thank you. What's that mean? A doyen. A doyen yeah. is a peak, the pinnacle, top doyen. D O Y E N. It means that you are in the, the top group. You are in the lead. There's a bunch of the. To be a, do, a doyen is what you aim for, mate. That is to be. You can call me that and, every day of the week. Because of the, your. Uh, <laughs> because of the, uh, the the high status you hold in the uh, in the pit lane, um, we're interested to know how you're coping with being in a new paddock. You haven't been in that many of them. You've been in a number, but um, and because it's a new team and Kelly Grove Racing, it's not uh, like the old place that you worked at some years ago. So tell me about how you're coping with being in this team. Yeah, so far so good. It's um. Obviously, any place you go to that's brand new, it's like a, it gives you like a new perspective and a kind of a new lease on life. Um, I'm certainly enjoying it. Everyone's super kind, super nice, and they just want to win, which is perfect for me as a racing driver. You know, if I if I turn up the track and my team wants to win, you know, that's the first box ticked. So I'm I'm happy to be part of it. And uh, yeah, everyone's very very. Very positive. Um, I've got my engineer from the last couple of years, Al McBean's joined across. So, you know, he's super smart and um, super brilliant character and probably one of the best engineers in pit lane. So I know I probably couldn't do the job without him. So, um, yeah, it's, I've, I've still got some familiar faces. Dennis is there from my old team as well. So he sort of runs the runs the crew. And, yeah, it's a very, very good team, good operation. And, they like, the funny thing is, like, they kind of they build everything themselves. Like every part in the car you see, engine, basically from start to finish is done in-house, which is, I haven't been part of a team that does that for a while, so it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, there is quite quite a depth to both the engineering and the capability manufacturing that Kelly's have for some years. Um, I mean, when uh, Todd and Rick bought the uh, Perkins operation, you know, they, they kept up the same sort of uh, regime about doing things, didn't they? I mean, you know, it was that, we we make it in here. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, I was part of the team ten years ago, and they, you know, they run Holdens back then. It was pretty much they ran four cars and they had a lot more staff. So you know, these days they run two cars and a lot less staff. But you know, I think that's a sign of the times and whatnot. But yeah, obviously they've been through you know a you know a, a big cycle, I suppose, over the last ten years after I left them, and I, I have as well, and. It's interesting we've you know partnered again and it's it's been really good so far. 
I just hope I can do them proud and win races for them. I, I'm sure that uh, given that you've already shown the sort of speed that's needed to uh, to win in the category, um, you've also got a new teammate, although you did drive together at one stage some years ago, Andre Heimgartner. Yeah, yeah, so Andre Heimgartner, he's my teammate, and I was with him back in 2015 when, he, when I was at... Uh, I'm trying to think what it was called back then. Pro Drive. It's called Pro Drive. <laughs> and um, he was part of the Super Black Racing. On So we shared the same garage. So it's interesting because he's still only 20, 25 or 26 years old. So he's actually super young, even though he's been in the category for a long time. So he has quite a lot of experience. And I think he's enjoyed myself coming back into the team with my engineer to try and, you know, turn the team around and head it in a, in a, in a different direction to try and, you know, get the most out of everything. So, you know, he's a, he's a good character. He's been a friend of mine for many years, and um, I really enjoy being around him. One of the things that uh, I've already heard you talk about this year on other places, but is that uh, working on the speed, you know, new bits coming for the cars and things like that. Yeah, are you enjoying driving for a team that, you know, that does go away? And I mean, I knew where you were at Erebus. They did the same sort of thing, but... Um, there's a, there seems to be a lot of energy around what uh, they're building at Kelly Grove. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as a driver or any person that's kind of works in in a race team, anytime we start building new parts and testing new bits and and sort of you know and you know the whole engineering game comes into it. It gives you another you know stride and step. I'd like to say because it just I don't know. It makes you when you turn up the track, it it feels like. You know, you've got more of a chance, if you know what I mean. If if this is the correct part, this is going to make a difference. This is going to give us time. We're going to go fast. It's going to tire better and so on and so on. So as you turn up to the, the track, you're kind of like, oh, yes, I can't wait to try this part to see if it's going to help us. So, you know, any time, you know, teams are making new parts and trying new bits, it's it's a very good fear part of it. But obviously it doesn't, it's not a silver bullet, doesn't magically fix stuff, but it's like a progression. So your car might start, you know, seven tenths off the pace at the start of the year, but you know, you make new parts and then develop the car, and it's the way you drive it and how it how car looks after tyres and use the tyres and qualifying. And then, you know, a couple of rounds and you might only be two tenths off the pace. So, you know, it's it's good to see that progression. As a driver in the category, you love seeing that. Doesn't matter what team you're part of. Now you've driven a number of different cars over the years, and uh, obviously getting out from the Commodore into the Mustang. Um, there's control chassis and lots of control bits in, but each team has its own character. Each car has its own style and way of doing things, don't they? Now, you, yeah. you're coming accustomed and acclimatised to the car now? Yeah, so, uh, you know, every, you know, there are a small difference between Ford and Holden as far as it's, <coughs> um, you know, it's aerodynamics, how, how it balances out and whatnot. One's a four-door, one's a two-door, you know, this, that and the other. Um they do have differences, but then every team has their own engine. Not every team, but, you know, then there's an engine that can be quite different from team to team um, as far as its delivery, its power, um, its drivability, and so on and so on. And then, then the next sort of step is how the car um, makes its grip through the corner. Does it, is it late on the brakes? Is it early on the brakes? Is it like a lot of turn? Does it like a lot of drive? And it's a trade-off between all those sort of three keys factors I'd like to say so not, not all cars sort of are perfect in every sector even though it might appear like some cars might be perfect on the outside I, I dare say they're not 
Um, it's just a balancing act to find out, you know, where's the where's your best strength, how you're going to maximise the car, and how to make it better. So, and what you like as a driver. So, it's quite a complex sort of cake. I'd like to say, if you're making a cake and you put all these ingredients in, it's trying to find the best tasting cake, which is kind of a funny analogy, but that's the way. That's the simplest way I can sort of summarise it. Okay. Um, now, Simmons Plains has been, <laughs> well, we'll say, you know, the worst of the three rounds to date for you. Um, and, and so having your worst, you know, to date behind you at least is a good thing. Um, Tail and Ben's a track that you like. I think traditionally you've uh, gone quite well there over the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, we've only had three rounds so far. And um, surprisingly, I'm sitting seventh in the championship. So I'm actually quite surprised at that result because, you know, I haven't really been consistently up the front or whatnot. I've sort of been, I've had a few few bad few bad races against me. Um, you know, I got turned around and, you know, stopped one of the pits and a, and a few things haven't gone my way. And, and to be seventh is kind of a big surprise. We've had one decent result and that was in the wet um, at Sandown. And, you know, the car was pretty good to drive in the wet. So I'm pretty, I was pretty happy with that. Um, but you know, the, your main races are in the dry. So, you know, the next the next track we go to is Town and Bend, and I sort of had okay results there, not fantastic. But I think the Ford might be suited to that track, where the last three events have probably suited the Holden. So I'm um, I'm interested to see how we roll out. Briefly, we'll lead into talking about a subject that's come up in in recent times, and that being uh, the starting again of uh, a drivers' association, but. Maybe we'll just lead into that with the talk about um, the paddle shifts, the talk about Gen 3 and paddle shifts. Have you had much of a look at what is being proposed with the new car? Um, no. Like, you know, there's always talk of a driver association. And as long as I've been to the, in the, involved in the sport, there's always been some sort of talk of it because it's funny, like, we're the only professional sport, I'd like to call it, um, with no sort of, you know, driver or player association collective that can, you know, help contribute to the sport. We're kind of, we're the face of the sport. Everyone talks to us about the sport, but when you dive deep down, we've actually got no idea what's going on with the sport. So, you know, then, you know, then they, they find, we find out that they're, they're trying to do paddle shift and it's like, well, that's kind of stupid. You know, that's a very, very dumb idea. You're, you're taking a human element out of the, out of the cars, which we all enjoyed, which created variance, which created difference and create problems. And that's what you're trying to, you're trying to make problems for us to solve out on the track, really. So it's kind of funny that they're, that they're actually still talking about it. And and it really, and at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what I think of paddle shift because we have no say in the sport. And that's why there's more talk about the Drivers Association than ever because you know, there's all this stuff going on in the background that we have absolutely no idea about. Um, so yeah, it's it's just funny how it, it always tends to evolve. But everyone thinks that I'm trying to start it because I don't know. I I seem to have a big voice in the category and be quite upfront and honest, and you know like to talk about problems rather than you know how good everything is. Which you know most other drivers they don't really they don't really um what's the word they don't stand up for himself. Where I I try to I try to stand up for everyone. So it's interesting to see um, how it's portrayed. But yeah, I, I'd like to hope. It would come off, um, you know, whether it be this year, next year, whenever. Um, I'd, I'd actually like to, if I was to leave the sport one day, I'd, I'd like to try and do it when I left the sport to leave some sort of legacy behind for all the young drivers getting into 
to be um, something to something that I could be proud of. So that makes sense, David. In certainly your time, uh, it was back in the days of the uh, the Bundy Red Car. Yes, many of the drivers had got to a point where they too wanted the uh, association and they had actually uh, drawn up documents and a number of drivers had put money in. I don't know if at that time you had any involvement with that, but how far down the track is this just drivers talking amongst themselves or is someone sat down like, I definitely know Stephen Richards was involved and actually got the money together and started drawing up, you know, a charter of association and, and so forth. Well, yeah. Well, when I first joined, there there was some some sort of something like that. But you know, I think with anything like this, everyone has to be involved. And and some of the drivers back then, if they were involved, they would have got the sack, which is hilarious itself. <laughs> um, so, you know, back then I was only new to the sport. I had no idea um, about the whole. Like, you know, you just you just join the sport. No one really schools you and what's going on or. You don't really care about, you know, the politics and whatnot. You're just trying to, you know, maintain your drive and keep everyone happy and, and do a good job. So you're not really trying to think of where the sport's going, um, how are we perceived on TV, da, 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 this, that, and the other. Are people tuning in? You're trying to actually grow the sport. You're not, as a young kid, you don't really care. You're just trying to win races and, and do the best job you can. Um, so I, I vaguely remember paying some sort of money. I could be wrong, but I'm not sure what happened to it, so... As a young kid, you don't you don't really you don't really know what goes on. But as a, a as an older person in the sport, I'd I'd like to help out where I can and and whatnot. It's it's probably not a job for a current driver. You know, we're busy enough doing our own thing. And once again, we can't you know a, a single driver can't represent a whole driver group. It sort of has to be done as a collective with everyone's say. So it doesn't there's not one person ruling over everyone else. Um, I think that's. That's a fair comment. So it'd have to be someone that's from outside the sport that wants to help out. Interestingly, I think, and I know Tony and I are going to follow this up, I think the money that was left over ended up going to either a charity or or Jason Richards' family. I think uh, the, oh, really? the drivers awesome. decided there was still some money in the kitty and I, I'm pretty, uh, like, I'm 95% sure... It went to one of those two causes, a a, a well-known charity, or or to help the uh, Jason Richards family uh, uh, with some uh, bills and so forth after he passed away. So, um, but we're definitely going to follow that up. Even though that's true, even though you know nothing come about, you know, it still went to a very very good cause and helped one of us out, which is perfect. Mm. I know that uh, having been involved with the start of the media association. Uh, with Grant Rowley and Tony Shebecki and Peter Norton. Supercars did not like that idea one bit of all the media getting together. Uh, now, what are we, seven, eight years later, they're one of the major sponsors of it because they thought it was one thing and, of course, it turned out to be something very different. Tony knows as well as I do. Mark, one of the Drivers' Association got quashed by supercars and Mark II got quashed by team owners. Yes. It, it probably all has to do with control. You know, we're dealing with, um, you know, the team owners. You know, everyone's got quite – it's quite an ego-driven sport, I think. 
and you know if they're they're thinking that they're probably getting you know they're losing control of something which is actually not the case we're actually here to help and assist with everything that goes on and trying to help them guide them and, and make the correct decision for not for not for our own benefit for their own benefit too if it benefits us it benefits them so if they're coming up with crazy ideas of paddle shift which is probably going to be it's kind of going to detract from the sport you know, we would like to voice our opinion and say, that's a shit idea. I wouldn't do that if I was you, and vice versa. So, you know, it's, it's, it's probably got to do with something like that. You know, they've all, you know, most of the team owners, they're successful business owners. They've, you know, controlled a lot of a lot of stuff and this is, they might they might think they might be losing control, but it's not the case. We're trying to help out. Recently about George Russell. Now, as you would probably know, as a Formula One driver, he's only quite new. I think he's now in his second or maybe third year. And he's on the uh, Grand Prix Drivers Association, which, of course, is, you know, one of the very earliest of uh, drivers associations. It started in 1965, mainly at the instigation of uh, Jackie Stewart. And, of course, in those days, uh, one of the premises was about track safety, which, unfortunately, we're in a situation now we, you know, that's not one of the basic tenants you'd be building a, an association about to improve track safety because that's been done and the FIA and, and CAMS and now Motorsport Australia have all worked hard at improving the track so we don't have that problem. The other thing, of course, the Drivers Association, the GPDA as it was known, was built around was looking after the mechanics. Now, uh, is you would uh, well know that mechanics have never been high on the uh, priorities of anybody in terms of looking after them. But nowadays we have things like um, curfews so that people don't have to work all night. They're not allowed to work all night. So these are terrific things that associations can actually take up as, as, as cudgels to say this is what we're wanting to do. Now, I get the idea that a driver's association now is not so much just looking after you know a group of 24 drivers, but the thing that I suppose some people have lost the plot on is that these are 24 drivers who are at the peak of their A, driving ability, and B, of the sport, and that those 24 drivers have got there because of single-mindedness to, to achieve. And I think that you as a group should have your opinions out there as a collective voice, and I think it's a very good idea you mention about someone who's not full-time in it, um, as uh, as the person who stands up to represent them. I mean, you would well know about, because you come from an AFL state, the importance of the AFL Players Association. I mean, it, when the AFL sits down to talk to people about the, the season, the, the Players Association is there saying, this is what we need, you know? And I think that's a very good point you raised, David. Yeah, so, um, I don't know, like every sport has, every professional sport, has their association or their players, drivers, workers association, whatever it is. Um, with all the curfews, I think that's a great idea. Um, you know, that looks after not just the mechanics, but that looks after all the staff as well and it kind of keeps people involved in the sport because, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, it's a young man's game because, you know, the hours you do, the late nights when you crash cars, this, that and the other, it kind of stops all that and it stops people getting burned out from the sport and this gets them to actually get back, spend more time with their family and people that they love to hang out with. So, you know, little things like that make a huge difference in people's life. And, and at the end of the day, you know, every driver in our category, um, you know, the, the team owners talk about it's their investment in the sport, but that, on the other side, it's our investment too. Our families, our sponsors have invested millions of dollars for us to get to where we are because at the end of the day, 
you know, motor racing, you have to buy the experience to get to where you are. So, you know, it, it's cost someone, families, sponsors, friends, whatever it is, millions of dollars for a driver to get to the peak of his career. So, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, you have all this big spend and you really don't have a say in where the sport's heading or any sort of buy-in like that. It's kind of a, kind of funny like that so you know that's why that's why it forever gets talked about and it forever get talked about until it happens so until it happens it's always going to be a conversation one of the things david that particularly the aflpa if we stay with that one um has it always comes to the fore when they talk about player wages and negotiating base rates for rookies and those sorts of things but a critical thing that over the last four or five years the AFLPA has taken the lead on is a mental health of past players and mm-hmm. particularly in regards to head injuries. And when we hear some of the stories about the mental health of drivers who have retired, this is another area, particularly at the pinnacle of the sport where you quit driving and like a football player who, I guess in a football player, you can go on to some of the lower leagues and still make an, a living in motorsport, once you finish at the top of the level, that's a very hard road to make a living out of being a race driver. Yeah, correct. Very, very hard. Like, um, there's only, a, you know, a, a, probably only supercars that you can actually make a decent living out of. Everything else is kind of amateur related and you kind of have to pay for the experience, like I said before. So, yeah, like, um, yeah, the mental health thing, that's a massive key. Um, the, th- the thing with our association, there'd only be, you know, you're not dealing with 1,200 AFL players. You're only dealing with a very small amount of, you know, drivers in our one. You know, you probably could include co-drivers and maybe Super 2 people to try and, you know, teach them the ropes and sort of show them what's an acceptable workplace to be treated at, you know, vice versa, so down the line. So, you know, there's there's, there's multiple things you can actually help on, um, problems, people, whatever. It's, this, it's kind of endless, really, so... You know, the, the sooner it happens, the better. But you know, if it's never going to be happening, it's always going to be talked about, and it's you know, it's always going to be a disgruntled pass for a driver that you know never was represented. Well, David, we know that you're not going to be disgruntled because you've got uh, a family at home now um, yes. with a, a young I'm lad, and, and I'm always uh, happy. indeed, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing your happy face in person at Tail and Bend in uh, ten days or so time. Um, well, David, you know, have a have a great time, and uh, you'll you'll just be over there, or what, for the Friday, will you? No practice, but uh, just there for the uh, prep, debriefings, yeah. or briefings rather. Yeah, um, these two day race meetings are much easier. Um, you know, the three day race meetings were good. You know, it sort of spaced out the weekend, but the two day race meetings they're kind of full on and hectic. But you know, you get to spend more time at home. But uh, as a driver. Not so much because, you know, you've, you've sometimes got appearances Wednesday, Thursday, Friday anyway. you sort of got to look after your sponsors. So, you know, our week hasn't changed that much. It's just, we're just not in the car as much. Um, but, yeah, mate, I look forward to seeing your smiley face over there on um, the Friday. Look forward to it too. Thanks very much for joining us today on Inside Supercars. David Reynolds from Kelly Grove Racing and Penrite, of course, your very loyal sponsor. Penrite Racing, exactly. <laughs> Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. 
The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.